Sci-Fi for Me presents Jason Hunt and Timothy Harvey. This is the H2O Podcast. <laughs> the more chances for error. There are more points of failure uh, available in in all of this, so it's okay. It's we're we're getting it. Um. So, it is not our. Wait a minute. Let me let me see here because. Okay, that doesn't look like that's working either. Well, apparently we have. Uh... So Thomas, I see in the chat there. Uh, can you give it us know what is the sound coming through and and Mimi cats? I said you say it's better before we had nothing. <laughs> so better is a qualitative term. Okay, I have I have LEDs. I've got winky blinkies here. Let me turn this up a little bit. It it wouldn't be. It wouldn't be a sci-fi for me show without a gremlin. Oh, no kidding. If everything went perfectly, we'd know it would be a trap. Yes. As you can see, folks, we are in a different location. Part of the reason the sound thing is because we are we are in a new it's not the new studio, it's just upstairs. Yeah, well <laughs> it, it's part of the part of the uh, part of the idea was Great, thanks, guys. if you go through all of the news lately. There are so many reboots mm -hmm. and remakes. I mean, you know we're getting a Little House on the Prairie reboot? Uh, I'm not surprised. And there's a rumor of Firefly on Disney+. Plus. There's a rumor about Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Well, we, we, knew, had, Buffy, we knew Buffy was coming. We knew Buffy was going to come. Firefly, I am both... It's a rumor. I'm both incredibly excited yeah. and nervous. Well, and then we have two Battlestar Galacticas. Yeah, right. Uh, and then Fox is doing a new Fantasy Island. So that makes number four, because ABC did two. Yeah. And he had the movie with yeah. Bloomhouse. Now Fox is going to do a reboot. So I, I, we kicked around the idea of <laughs> doing a, a reboot, a remake, if you will, of our very first episode, which aired on Christmas Day, eight years ago in 2012, and we are certainly. Older, maybe not necessarily wiser. I don't know if I could go that far and say we were wiser. No. Um, Still stubborn and bullheaded, but wiser? I'm not sure. I'll give you that one. Yeah. yeah. But um, but what we thought we'd do is just kind of go through a little bit on and just have a little fun with what we had originally did way back in the day, talking about how Santa Claus was the Time Lord. And then I thought we'd get into just some, not necessarily reminiscing best of type things, but you know, looking, looking forward to 2020. No, no, it's not <laughs> going to be a clip show. I have, that's, that's one thing that I have neglected to do is as we go through all of these shows. Pull stuff, yeah. Pull stuff for. Oh, and know, it's so hours. hard to go back and do that. Yeah. When, if you're not doing it as you go, especially when you have as much content. I mean, 250 episodes. Yeah. Well, and, and... Not to say that all 250 were great. Well, and, and in the so beginning... pretty good. I think we can be it proud was all, of that. It was audio. Right, yeah. You know, for our first... 
uh, I don't know how many we did. Um, a lot. A lot. But we we did not do a Shades of Grey episode. No, sorry. <laughs> and okay. not gonna. While that is technically, I think you could qualify that as fantasy. I mean, Grey? Yeah, here? we. I, yeah, um, I think that uh, um, we are the Shades of Grey, actually. Uh, or at least I, I definitely am. I mean, uh, well, I'm, I'm skipping Grey and going to White. Mm hmm. So, and, and there are names attached to the white. <laughs> I've been graying since I was a teenager, so I, I've long passed that point. Yeah. So, um, so eight years ago, uh, well, like, like we were saying before the mics were turned on, uh, Tim and I met at the Independent Filmmakers Coalition of Kansas City. It's, yep. a, it's a networking group here in town for independent uh, film professionals and people who are just learning and getting to know how to do this kind of thing. That's one of the oldest organizations for independent film in the country. Um, I was on the board for something like nine years, and yeah. I was president of the organization for two, VP for one, had a variety of roles. Um, if you're interested at all in getting involved with independent film in the Kansas City area, and that I don't, that's not just the metro, it's and it's Kansas City, Kansas, Kansas City, Missouri, right. whatever. Well, and there are film groups like this in various different cities as right, well. Right, right. Like, uh, um, uh, Kansas City is one of the oldest ones, and I think... One of the most welcoming, too. ...has the oldest, if not one of the oldest, uh, timed production. Oh, yeah, things. no, I the original... You see those things where 48-hour film festival <laughs> and that kind of thing, where you have just a couple of days to make a film... Yeah, it, you, start, it started here in Kansas City. Yeah. It was the original time film festival, and we do it in 10 hours, 10 hours versus 24. You've got time to sleep if you've got 24 or 48 hours. I mean, come <laughs> on. So, and Jason and I have done several of those over the years, and oh, some of them have turned out pretty good. Funnily enough, out of all of, the, all of the stuff that we did at IFC, we never worked together at IFC. We were no, we on various different projects and whatnot, and we finally, we finally worked together on Randolph Carter. Mm -hmm. And in the process, in all of that time, you know, going, we have the meeting, and then you have the after-meeting meeting, right. where everybody goes and gets burgers and whatever. And those conversations that we had generally would end up turning into topics about various different things in the genre, in science fiction and horror. So uh, at one point, I don't know who had the idea, I was like, well, we ought to be recording these. <laughs> And so uh, the first one was just kind of a little whimsical bit because uh, that was the year that I made the tree into a Dalek. Right, right. Much to everyone's disappointment. <clears throat> it didn't quite look right. I'd, I had seen a picture. Mm -hmm. I thought, oh, that's cute. That's an idea. And it was my first Christmas by myself mm -hmm. after, uh, after my marriage fell apart. And so I figured, okay, well, we'll do something fun for the kid to enjoy. So, right. oh, hey, it's a Dalek because he liked Doctor Who. And it didn't, <laughs> didn't go as well as I'd like for it to. But in the, in the process of all that, we decided we'd go ahead and record our very first thing. And it was only 10 minutes. <laughs> Which means at this point, I think we've gone longer than uh, the original episode. I do believe we have, yes. So... <laughs> Well, and you know, the the fun part about all of this is that along the way, we have been able to see a lot of really cool things, talk mm -hmm. to a lot of amazing people, yeah. 
and we've gone to conventions, we've done interviews. Um, Jason does interviews multiple times a week. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this has just been a really cool opportunity to get to talk to people not only as fans, but also the people who create the content. Um, and, and talking to both of them has been really, really great because if the fans, of course, obviously, that's us. And every, you know, we're all, we all consume our culture where it's science fiction, fantasy, or horror, um, whatever it is. I mean, you know, and again, it's not just these genres. If you're a romance fan or a mystery fan or any of these things, you, you have the opportunity to connect with the various fandoms of the things that you care about. Yeah. But you don't always get a chance to talk to the folks who create the stuff you care about and the stuff you love and the, and this, you know, the TV show, the book, the comic book. And we've had a chance to do that, which has been really, really amazing. Because when you think about it, for all the fact that you can connect with someone online, you could follow your author on Twitter or on Facebook or, or on their website, but to get a chance to sit down and talk to, sit face-to-face and talk to some of the folks who, as a kid, their work excited you and mm-hmm. sparked your imagination. Well, not only that, but we've had an opportunity to actually work with some of them. Oh, yeah. Uh, because we, and I, for the life of me, cannot remember now how we connected with Tom Kane as far as doing anything together. Uh, you know, I had, we had interviewed him a couple of times. I talked to him. We'd seen him out at, uh, and if you're not familiar with Tom Kane, of course, he's the voice of so many characters, but you may know him best for Yoda from, from the Star Wars animated series. He's also Professor Newtonium Mm -hmm. from, uh, from Powerpuff Girls. And I think he's been Iron Man and Magneto and narrator Smurf and just a host of, a host of voices, amazing voice talent. The narrator on Clone Wars. That's, that's Mrs. Boss's favorite. Oh, and of course, the voice of, of a little award ceremony. Yeah, yeah, he's uh, something called uh, something Academy Oscar thing, Academy Awards. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. He's, he was the voice of that for a long time. So we've been able to to work with him. How did we connect with Jeff? I honestly you know, have I no remember. idea. I think part of it is like it just overwhelms the fact we were we were sitting. We we managed. To, we did the statement of Randolph Carter, um, a Lovecraft adaptation, because one of the things that. However you feel about Lovecraft, uh, uh, you can't deny his influence, and Jason and I both enjoyed his stories. And we were like, Lovecraft adaptations are not good. <laughs> and, I mean, some of, them are, some of them are entertaining, but that doesn't necessarily mean they're good. And, and oddly enough, of course, he's getting a renaissance in film right now. You've got um, uh, The Color Out of Space, yep. of course, with Nicolas Cage, which is actually quite good. I, I actually recommend it. Castle Freak just got a remake. Um, and I have not seen it, but they, I guess the plan is they're going to look at sequels, set remakes of the uh, the old yeah. '80s Lovecraft movies. So anyway, there's there's we set out to make what we we wanted to be a, a period accurate, uh, and and have it be a thing that was as true to the story as possible, recognizing that Lovecraft is really hard to adapt. <laughs> yeah. And and oddly, and, and Jason wrote a really fantastic uh, adaptation, and, and I, I directed it, and we got Tom Kane and Jeff East, who, of course, if you if that name rings a bell, it's because he was Tom Sawyer, <laughs> teenage Clark Kent, <laughs> yeah, it, in it's Superman. Superman. 
And and it was it was amazing because we did we know somebody who knew him I guess I think that's yeah, I think that's how it was and and he was they were both just wonderful to work with and we had uh, uh, Ari Bavel, fantastic local actor uh, who played uh, uh, Warren of course who goes down into the tomb <laughs> and um, uh, yeah it, it's just a wonderful wonderful uh, experience and we had so we're on set. And we had a huge crew, and we got some really fantastic locations to shoot at. And it was very cold. It was very cold. We <laughs> shot in a cemetery in the middle of the night. night wind chill was 19 below zero. I think on the second night, it got so cold that, and I've never had this happen before or after, but I literally, my, my hips locked. Mm. And that's just that's that's not the cold. And as I said, it's never happened to get. It's never happened since. It's never happened before. And I mean, I literally had to, people had to like move me. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, where did this come from? And of course, I was. We, we were both really tired and stressed and flowing sure. on these parts. But we were we were we were shooting down at uh, um, down in the West Bottoms of Kansas City, and and we were everything's bustling around. And and Jason and I are talking, and we're, we're talking about the next shot, and everybody's moving these lights into place, all these things. And Jeff Feast just looks at over, comes over to us, and goes, "I have been on professional film shoots that were not this well organized." And we just were kind of like blinked at each other. We're like, um, "Thank you," because we were just our, our entire goal was to make sure that thing. You know, we, you've got so many things to do if you've ever worked on a film. Uh, there are so many things to do in such a really short period of time. Yeah. And um, and we were at that point where everybody else doing all those things was far more productive than Jason and I stepping in to help them. Oh, sure. <laughs> well, and, and that was, I think that was after we had had all of the all all of the technical problems figuring out the, that first shot going in you oh. remember with the with the dolly mm-hmm. that weird little crawler thing that we managed to get a hold of and we were pushing it was like no wait no wait no because i think there was a threshold on the door wasn't mm. there yeah so. that was the that was the first of two dolly incidents because we got to shoot out at a really gorgeous house that stood in for miskatonic university it's a great house and we had a, it was a, a dolly and a crane shot. So as the camera, as the dolly's over, and it wasn't, wasn't a big crane. I mean, it was, I don't know, nine feet or something. Yeah. But it's, as you move over, the camera's supposed to go up. And we had, we had multiple takes of it just being the choppiest yeah, thing. Was, and, 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 you know, it's one of those, one of those things where you see it done. Mm-hmm. And oh yeah, I can do that. <laughs> and we had we had some really talented, experienced people yeah. working on that production with us. We we got a lot of really the best thing you can do as a film director or a producer is to get a bunch of really, really talented people mm-hmm. step out of their way. Yeah. And they make you look really, really good. All that to say that that was the first time that we actually worked together yeah. on a project. Uh, but we had we had had a number of conversations at that point and decided to go ahead and do this and start recording and that was when Tim came on board as a as a contributor here because mm-hmm. had had you been writing anything before that or no 
I don't recall which I came first. I think I wrote something first. Okay. Because right. I want to say that um, we may have republished the very first review I ever wrote, mm. which was back in when the first season of Doctor Who in 2005 came on. I think that's right. And yep. I did not care for one of the episodes and so I wrote a uh, at the time I was just it's fascinating how how at the time I was just like how could you do this and it's such a tame review <laughs> compared to a lot of the folks you see people who get angry online and write like, scathing reviews yeah and and all things considered mine was like really well, dear was... sir I would like to place a complaint <laughs> I am going to write a sharply worded <laughs> exactly. letter. And it well, was just, I mean, it's, it's so it's, tame. It's one of those things where, and this kind of goes back to our, our conversation that we've had a number of times about the tone that we take here. Mm -hmm. And I think we have been best served by staying on that path rather than give in to the give in to the rage and the hate and the, and well, the clickbait and, and, and all of that because it, it, doesn't, it doesn't last. And to some degree, because we both made things, we both created film, we mm. both worked on things, you can work really, really hard on something and not have it turn out the way you want. Oh, yeah. And and the intent of the creator versus the, the, the way the viewer takes that in mm. are very different things. Yeah. Um, I just saw this, and, I, and I, I need to see if I can find it again. But it was the death of the author, and it went down to, like, the exhumation of the author. I mean, it was all, it was like, it just spirals oh, worse right, in how people right. react to somebody's creation. Yeah. And uh, if you're not familiar with the death of the author, it's basically once you create something, the, th the, the, the concept goes, um, the author doesn't matter anymore. It's about the audience and how they perceive it, yeah. which is... Uh, True to a point, I think there you can, if you ignore authorial intent, you aren't necessarily getting the whole picture. But it's a very common thing to do. It's, and, well, and, and I some think degree. the other the other thing the other the other side of that is that uh, in when this day and age, especially with social media being the way it is, you have a number of authors and creators who are basically saying. I'm the author. I'm the only one that matters. You're just the audience, and it doesn't matter. What you think. Well, so yeah, I mean, you, there's you, that flip. I think I think a lot of authors recognize that once it leaves them, they don't have any control over it. Yeah, but <coughs> there are folks who don't. That's, but that's on no Twitter, question. oh well, it's, yeah. See, Twitter, Twitter, yeah. Uh, Twitter. Is, yeah, see, for Twitter is a terrible place. <laughs> see, now for us, eight years ago, Twitter wasn't a thing. I mean, it no, was there, yeah. but it wasn't. You know, we weren't we weren't doing a whole lot with it, and we we're. I mean, we had, you have the account, and you're doing some things, right? But yeah. it's not. None of the social media was the intense marketing stuff that we that you'd use. It was just you know, okay, well, here's the way to connect with people you went to high school with, and then Twitter was a place you'd share links to. News articles at a, are, what, 140 yeah, characters? Yeah, 140 yeah. characters. So you can do a, a whole lot with it. And we still don't. And to be, to um, be honest, I almost wish we could go back to that because it could... I have I have 
thought long and hard about deleting our Twitter account just because. But I, but you know, I'm like, yeah, well, if we yeah. do that, you lose you lose the access to the one to that that one piece of the audience. But you know, I look back at all of our analytics. Mm-hmm. We don't get a whole lot of traffic from Twitter. I, so I think I think unfortunately Twitter has become social media is not real life. What? Yeah, it's not. It's not the. It's it is an aspect of the world, but it is not real life. And I think I think people forget that a lot. Yeah. Um. I uh. I don't go to Twitter a lot. I I I'm on Twitter for mostly for work. And and I, I just posted a thread because we hadn't posted anything to the Zompocalypse Now, the, mm-hmm. one of the podcasts I do, uh, Twitter account in forever. And I'm just no, like, I know. And I was just like, oh yeah. Well, no, no, <laughs> no one else in my in on, on my cast of voices on Zompocalypse Now does anything with a Twitter account except me, and, which is a dangerous thing considering I have never been shy in saying I do not care for Twitter. Well, see, and I don't like it either. But I have I have I have not cared for it for long. Well, I've been cared for it since the beginning. Long it? long before it became a bit of a hellscape. Yeah. Um, so so let, let me let me detour us because we've we've had we've, <laughs> we've done our thing here. Where for those of you who don't know uh, the show, but we digress. We have a tendency to digress. But <laughs> to go back to the original episode Mm -hmm. episode zero we call it right santa claus is a time lord and it basically was one of those things where we were just having a bit of fun Mm -hmm. but the but the more we looked into it and the more we started making making our our case for santa being a time lord the more it actually starts to make sense that he could be i mean one night the entire world that clearly time travel is involved yeah manipulation of time we figured uh, some po- some possible regenerations with the various different faces and the looks. And oh, sure, over time, names, certainly thin, very very thin, in, in some in some traditions, and of course a little bit rotund mm-hmm. in popular. Uh, some some incarnations prefer the taste of Coca Cola. Some do not. <laughs> On that note, something that we did not do in the other, it, it, we didn't do before. Because we were talking about how some some Santa Claus ha, ha, Santas have a sweet tooth. Right? Oh, sure, right, yeah. And given that we were talking about Santa being a time lord, you know, I had said at some point maybe we should have jelly babies for Santa, right? Well, I've come prepared tonight. Oh my! I have jelly babies from England. So there we are. So actual jelly babies. Yeah. So, we also I don't think we didn't touch on Krampus at all, who is clearly the master. The master. That's that's a good point. We hadn't we hadn't talked about that. What I love about jelly babies is, as opposed to other similar shaped candies in the U.S., uh-huh. is that after a certain point they just dissolve. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're just like. <laughs> they're gone. Um, yeah, we we haven't we haven't discussed. Uh, I mean, you know the the flip side, and of course Krampus. How many Krampus movies have we now had? A varying degree of of. We posted terrified. we posted a review of Krampus uh, from 
three years ago, four years ago mm. now, Maya had had reviewed it for us. Uh, and that's still over on the .com for anybody who wants to, to see it. Um, how, I, how many how many movies have they made with Krampus lately? Because that was was that the last one? There was there was a bit of a, a run there where it was like every everybody had to hop on the Krampus Evil Christmas bandwagon, mm-hmm. and I think there were like four. Um, there were probably more than that, but there were like four that actually got any kind of tread yeah. and traction in in among horror fans, and I think one of them was actually. Let's make a horror movie, mm. and the rest of them were kind of like, "Let's make a, a th- we we've got fifteen bucks and a mask," <laughs> um, which there, there's a market for that. I mean, there's no question that low budget horror films have a market, and uh, no. and have there's there's fun to be had there. One other thing that we have not done with regard to uh, the Doctor Who stuff was. Um, um, uh, we could actually, we could actually show you guys a clip from our first video show. Well, uh, with the episode zero is on we, this we, channel. We filmed. Did we? We it filmed is it on okay. the channel. Yep. We did film it. I do have it. Uh, let me see. Gotta go. If you gotta want go a back map, a ways. If you want a map, <laughs> I will find it. Oh uh, yeah. yeah, no, I I didn't realize we had recorded video on that. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, with the Dalek was behind us. Yes, we did. Yeah, yeah, okay. We yeah. already talked that's about why, it. That's why. That's why I mentioned it this way. I sent you the link. Did I, you not yeah. watch it to review? <laughs> the, uh, yeah. Okay, this is great. Jason can actually show this to you guys. Um, how much I we will, have changed? I will put um, a link in the chat. Um, we were both. We were both thinner. And uh, uh, I wasn't quite as gray. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, always, it's always... Actually, I went back and I, I looked at some of the photos from the Randolph Carter shoot, the, some of the behind-the-scenes stuff. Um, and we do look much, much younger. It's because we were. We were, and, and that's how it works. I mean, the, you know, I, obviously, you want to, yeah. you want to, you got to post the link in I there? did post okay. the link in, in the yeah. And what we'll do after we get done, uh, I'll go back in and I'll put the link in our show notes as well. So those of you who are not watching live uh, can still go back and see because we have changed a little bit. Yeah. But, but, one of the nice things about this show is that we get to have fun doing it, though. Um, we had fun then. And uh, sometimes the topics aren't necessarily the most fun. No. But but the fact that we actually get to sit down and talk about them. Um, and is... really, there's only been there have only been a couple, two or three times where our discussions have gotten heated enough <laughs> that it's okay. Time time to go. Done. Well, and I think I think it's an example. Um, it's okay to disagree about things um, and still get along. Yeah. I, I think, and well, and, and I think that's a, something we see a lot in fandom, unfortunately, now. Cast your mind back to the distant before times, before the internet, and, and there was a time when there was legitimately. There was a Star Trek Star Wars rivalry. 
you know... And that was not that bad, and there was a certain amount of, of humor involved. Yeah, I keep thinking that that one was never as... Oh, God. That's angry. No, 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 no. hateful as Well, and, and unfortunately, I think we, we talk, we've talked about this before on this show, is the ability to communicate with someone instantaneously has upsides. <laughs> but the downside is, of course, that you don't take time to think about your right. response. Yeah, you don't, you don't have the filter of distance and time anymore. Right, it's right. Just and, and quite frankly, in the days when you would write a letter to a, a fanzine... A sternly or, worded letter. Well, even if you're writing a sternly yeah. worded letter, you had the chance to write it, yeah. And then you had to put it in the envelope and put it on the step and walk it down to the mailbox or the post office. And in between that time, you could get to sit there and go, ah, perhaps I've gone too far. And we don't have that anymore. And so clearly, you know, the, we take them, dear fans, take a minute. Breathe. Just take a minute. <laughs> it's okay if you don't like the thing. Wait for the next thing to come along. Speaking, speaking of zines. Mm-hmm. This is something that we've been talking about for a while. Right. Um, do we want to commit to something? Do we want to try to do something yet? Or we uh, want to wait? You know, we've talked about it for long enough. I would. I think it would be a cool thing to do. So back in... If Fangoria can do it. Well, yeah. Um, when was it? Was it... When did, we, when did we do the Indiegogo? Was it June? Was it... <laughs> I can't remember. It's which. so hard it's to tell been, anymore. So um, <laughs> 2020 has been a weird year for time. So we did uh, an Indiegogo campaign here not too long ago. It didn't raise the money that we wanted to raise. And the idea was that we were going to build out a piece on our website where we could do the live streaming on our own channel and mm -hmm. get off of YouTube and not have to worry about all of the stuff that was going on. It was, it was, it might have been April, March or April. It was after all of the COPPA stuff hit with YouTube yeah. last year. And, and that whole thing was a thing for a while. And then you had the various different adpocalypses and all of the different things where people were getting deplatformed and censored and shadow banned and all this stuff. And it's just gotten worse. And... Any, anybody who has a YouTube channel can be a target of brigading, false flagging, mass, you know, mass, you know, re review bombing, all of these different things. So we did an Indiegogo campaign to raise money to build our own. It didn't work. We kind of took a step back. We said, okay, well, let's, let's regroup and figure. But one of the other things that we had been talking about, and we've talked about this for a long time... I Has it been that long? Maybe. Yeah, we, I think so. Is the early conversations. Yeah, to do a Wouldn't print. Wouldn't be cool? <laughs> yeah, do a print version of what we do online. And that can be interviews, reviews, behind-the-scenes stuff, news articles and features and whatnot, kind of like Starlog and Fangoria did back in the day. Because that we look to those as part of the the gold standard by which we measure what we do is, is we'd like to be as well-respected and we'd like to be as good as those guys. 
And you can find some really fantastic interviews with some of the people who did those things for Starlog and Fangoria yes. back in the day. And, of course, Fangoria has returned as a print magazine. Yeah, and, and they're doing uh, quarterly. But we thought, why not? We could do something mm -hmm. like that. And, and the articles and the reviews and stuff wouldn't necessarily have to be, I mean, they would have to be something that's a little bit more evergreen than what you would find on a, on a website because right. you don't have the immediacy. Mm -hmm. But uh, we could do something every quarter and put something together. So I think I think that's something that we've been thinking about doing. I think maybe we might go ahead and start laying the groundwork for something like that. And I need to I need to go and mix up because I found the formula for mimeograph ink, the purple mimeograph ink. Because if you go back, if you're going to do a zine. Right. You're going to do yeah. a fanzine. You got to do it right, and then you've got to print it with mimeograph ink, right? I would say so. <laughs> While Jason and I joke about our age quite a bit, a lot, a lot, a lot, <clears throat> we actually have been very, very lucky to have been born at a time when we got to go through Superman the movie, mm. Star Trek the motion picture, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Star Wars, Jaws, The Thing, um, uh, on the horror side, Halloween, Friday the 13th. Um, you know, there's just been so much of what built what we consider pop culture today. We actually got to watch happen as it was happening. Yeah. Um, in the 1970s, when so much of this stuff started to come up, the and horror... now with all the remakes, we get to watch it all over again. Yeah. Um... <coughs> So much of the horror genre and the science fiction genre, and certain definitely the fantasy genre, really wasn't even a thing in the seventies. Not, not really. Yeah. Um, that stuff had died because that was the monster movie era was essentially over. The science fiction films, you know, two thousand one was like the last big thing. And that well, was the 60s. really, it was the only big thing because you, you look at Planet of the Apes and those films, they were lower budget. They weren't the big sweeping mm -hmm. epic right. things. And past 2001, you didn't have, it was all, you had a few westerns and then you were into the crime stuff. You right, know, right. Uh, 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 French Connection. Storytelling goes in cycles. And, Disaster movies. And we've been really, we've been talking about it for quite some time. We've been really surprised at the superhero genre has continued in film for as long as it has because generally speaking film genres have a bubble they they go for along for a while and that doesn't mean you stop seeing those films but they don't have the right. the the heft and cachet now because of the depth and breadth of the characters that the super zero genre has that's, I think, an argument could be made. That's one of the reasons it's extended out as long as it has, because well, you've you got different kinds of superhero story you can tell. Depending on who you ask, if the next phase of the Marvel films lean into identity politics, like some people are worried about, now, I'm not saying that they're going to, but if that becomes a thing... <sighs> Then You've, you could start to see decline a I'm, little bit, I'm, like you do with Star Wars. I'm going to say that that despite the fact that you are finding us on the internet, um, the vast majority of internet commentators don't know what they're talking about. Um, but everybody's the, got an opinion. 
Uh, yes, and some of them are more informed than others. Some are more informed than others. That doesn't necessarily mean that their opinion is completely I'm out not, of left field I'm and wrong. I'm not saying it's out of left field and wrong. I'm but, saying they're more informed than others. But uh, in terms of the the quality, if, if the focus can remain, and by that I mean if the focus can remain on story, mm-hmm. then... There's no reason why the superhero films can't go another five or ten years. Right. But I think that if you're a fan of the superhero genre, you need to bear in mind that all of these things have a life cycle. And if, it, if the superhero film falls out of vogue, it's going to come back. Mm. If you're a younger fan, you'll probably see it come back in your lifetime because yeah. it tends to be about... I, what did you say, 20, 25 years? Something like that. For a lot of this. And, and you go through periods where, I mean... You're not going to get the Western back as strong as it was before, mostly because a lot of the folks who were fans of that original stuff yeah. are either older or have passed on. Um, and so the next gener- the, the, the new generation of filmmakers, it, it always ends up becoming uh, influenced. But you're always going to have spy movies and mystery films and science fiction and horror films. And, and superhero films will survive at some point or another. They just won't necessarily be the giant blockbuster things um i think given how this year has gone Mm. and the impact that it's had on productions and i've made this prediction we were talking about the warner brothers thing um i think we're going to start seeing smaller films lower budget films which is not a bad thing not a bad thing at all and the bigger blockbuster massive things Mm -hmm. are going to be spread out fewer and far you know f- fewer and and that makes them more special you know big the big epic well I, but in the meantime in between them all you're just going to have these smaller films which is which is a model that actually is the way it used to be yeah and and to some degree uh, the however you feel about the proliferation of streaming services with mm-hmm. their own original content uh, because it is in their financial interests to make smaller budget films, um, you're seeing a lot more content that sometimes is quite good at low budget. And there's a certain amount of sustainability question with if your average budget of your big blockbuster superhero movie is $300 million, Mm. And you have to make spend three hundred million dollars for advertising, which is insane. Yeah. Um, so you're you got to make you know seven hundred million dollars to turn a profit. Well, not just seven hundred. You've got to do a billion and and, right. and some change. And well, and and that, then so. of course you have this the, the mindset where someone sits there and goes, "It only made a billion too." It's a failure. It's like, okay, no. <laughs> no. Except if, if the billion two doesn't cover everything, then it's, you know, well, it's, yeah. you know, it's not movie, expectations. Movie, well, expectations in movies are... Uh, yeah, I mean. uh, uh, Mimi Katz in the, in the chat, I think the superhero genre that stuck around longer than most because people deep down want to know the difference between good and evil. Possibly. Possibly. I think... I think that resonates because in the real world, and we all know that the real world is just totally black and white, right? But in the mm. real world, we have our good guys 
and you have your good guys and never the twain shall meet and and everybody's good guys are somebody else's bad guys and there's never a clear distinction between people who are doing right by society the the heroes and the people who are just in it for themselves the villains because right now it really does feel like not to get too much into the weeds on on real life here but it really feels like there are a lot of people out there that are in it for themselves uh, and bro. are not thinking about you know the good of society and everything else well, and, and, you know, and real, again that's a perception thing yeah the uh, real but, world comes a lot more in shades of gray than than absolutes of black and white and good and evil which because humans tend to as well but superhero but, stories are our morality place they are They're our myth they are and and i think that one of the things that you, when you look at villains in superhero films mm. even the ones where you can understand them there is a clear-cut sense of they are doing wrong right so if you go look at a captain american movie uh whether whether they're calling themselves hydra Justice like the Nazis, they're Nazis. Yeah. You know, Indiana Jones uh, fights the Nazis. Captain America fights the Nazis. Batman fights the Joker, or Superman fights Lex Luthor, or or Zod, or any of the the. You know, the, the bad guy is the bad guy. Right, and and even again, you can find well-crafted villains. One of the reasons I think the Avengers films work as well as they do is that you have with Thanos, you have a, a character who has who explains his motivations. Mm -hmm. And you can clearly see, you're wrong! <laughs> but you can understand the point yeah. of view. And that and that makes it... Because one of the things that... Um, so it's a balancing act with storytelling between telling the story of the hero and the story of the villain. You want to have a villain who is memorable enough to be a threat. Right. But at the same time, most of the time, you're telling the story of the hero. And so there's that balancing act. And you see it in Disney movies where you go back to the classic Disney films. Mm -hmm. The villains are the best part. The heroes are... which is like Darth Vader. Right. Because the heroes are relatively bland. Now, our storytelling tastes have changed. We want our heroes to be have rich lives and, and have every rich in terms of story. Sure. Uh, and so we lean into that. And so consequently, because it's the balancing act, you've only got so many minutes to tell your story, the villains have not necessarily become as interesting as they used to be. And so one of the things that the Marvel films have done well is they've made, not always, but a lot of their villains have been interesting in their own right. Even as films as, if you look at Ant-Man and the Wasp, the bad guy isn't evil, but what she's doing is bad. I think some of it too is you get into like you know Batman and the Joker. You get into these situations where heroes become more interesting because of the kind of villains they have. If you look at their rogues gallery, I think that's one of the reasons why the story of Wonder Woman has been a tough nut to crack as far as you know, what kind of story do you mm -hmm. tell past the origin? Because she doesn't have a very good rogues gallery of villains. 
I mean, past Cheetah. Mm, see, I would argue uh, that depend, it depends on your era of Wonder Woman storytelling. Because one of the, what they did in the first film is that they leaned into that period of time where they were really focusing on her connection to the Greek gods, the Greek and Roman myth and all of that, uh, yeah. mythology. And when they're doing with the new film, not having seen it, um, is they're kind of they're kind of leaning into two things. Just from the trailers, is a little bit of Justice League International because that's where Maxwell Lord comes right. from. And, and where he was both a hero and a villain within the pages of the same comic. Often played for a little bit of humor, often played for a little bit of threat. And yeah. then they're also leaning into a period where... Because I give, I give Max Lord a, a, a short life expectancy because this is a problem with superhero films. They kill <laughs> off their bad guys. Because in the comics, spoiler alert for a 10-year-old comic, uh, maybe I, like that? I don't know that that's going to happen in this one. Wonder Woman kills know. Max Lord because Max Lord, is, he, he uses mind control powers. And he actually is going to turn Superman against the world. And yeah. so she makes the, she makes the hard choice because she is not unlike Superman, unlike Batman. She is a warrior princess, and and it is it is a you know that's it is in the in the, in war. Yeah, you make those decisions, and it's it becomes a conflict in the comic. People looking at her and going, "But we don't kill." And she's like, "Yeah, well, sometimes." And you know, so it and she's one of those characters, one of the comic characters you can actually do that kind of story with. Whereas there are people get upset when Superman kills for reasons. Well, you and know? see, I have <laughs> Some always good ones. I have always said that out of the three. Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman. Everybody, everybody talks about Superman being the alien. But out of those three, Wonder Woman is the more alien of the three because she's been isolated. She's been out on this island. She doesn't have any interaction with the world. In the early stages of her exposure yeah, to the world. Where Superman grew up in Kansas. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's, he's farm boy. And you've got Batman who grew up in the city. And they understand the world she doesn't even though superman is from another planet he's not the alien out of those three now by the point this story is taking place this would not apply she, to her no yeah. in 19 in, in wonder woman 84 she's probably you know already figured things out and she's right been and, there and, for but i think yeah, i think i think you're right in the fact that you haven't a chance and that's i think what they did really well in the first film is they yeah. gave her that sense of wonder and exploration without Without spending a whole lot of time, you, know, you got enough. Yeah. You didn't. You didn't have to sit there and go. And we're going to spend thirty minutes exploring. It's like no, no. It's like here's here's our little bit where she tries on the clothes and goes, "These are stupid." Mm -hmm. And you know, and and then yep. you move on. <laughs> yeah. It's crafted well. Uh, RJ from Critical Blast, uh, congratulations on two hundred fifty episodes. Thank you very Thank much. You. Thank you. Benjamin says, "While you're streaming, we've been streaming for almost an hour." We do from time to time. Well, see, now that's... Uh, and that could go back to the point in the show where we were recording these mm -hmm. and just uploading them. We weren't true, doing true, them live. True, we weren't right. streaming them live. So, um, I don't know. I guess Benjamin hasn't been around for a while. It's good well. to see him back. Um, and, 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 but you see this stuff in, in, sci in science fiction films. You see it in, in horror films as well, where these things go through cycles. Um, the kind of villains we get in horror now are not the, you know, the, 
actually we, we kind of come full circle from when the thing came out mm-hmm. uh, again not a success when it came out but of course became a huge cult classic and not just a cult classic it's a horror filled yeah. classic uh, there are the villain in that is not a person with an axe um, and we went through that phase in the in the 80s and 90s where human-esque I mean how many times can you kill Michael Myers or Jason? Mm-hmm. Um, but they, you know, it was it was a it was a human shaped thing with a with a pointy stick. Yeah. Uh, and now, of course, we've got we've had things like the Babadook and and it follows and I saw and um, us and that sort of stuff. I saw a thing today because I did a review over the weekend of uh, the Intergalactic Adventures of Max Cloud, mm-hmm. 80s video game style film. It's fun. I I I'd say it's it's worth the time. Go watch it. It's 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 a good, fun, hour and a half. You know, kill some time. Um, but uh, somebody all you need. somebody had said that they were looking forward to seeing it, and I was like, well, it just came out on digital on on the eighteenth. I was like, oh, I want to get DVD. So I looked it up and I found the DVD. And as I'm looking that one up, I found there are two Japanese Invisible Man movies. Hmm. that are just now being released outside of J- Japan. I think they're from 1957 and 58. Uh, yeah. And uh, well, this is this is a different take on it. Mm-hmm. So I it was I, I, it's interesting and maybe that's something that can Yeah, we should know, listen. Add, I should add to that, that for that. So okay, so uh, as we as we get close to the hour here. Um our original topic Santa is a Time Lord. We've talked a little bit about the print edition. Mm-hmm. When do we want to try to do that? Because our anniversary, this is our eighth anniversary for this show. March of 2021 will be our 12th anniversary for the entire site overall. We launched in March of 2009. So maybe something that we do then that we have a book that comes out. Uh, for practicality's sake, let's say, I mean, we, we could aim for second quarter. Um, I think that, you know, we, we have a little bit of a window. I mean, the, it's a anniversary year is an anniversary year. Yeah. Uh, and, and, uh, well, I mean, every year is an anniversary year as long as, as long as we're still around. As long as you keep going. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Um, okay. So we've got, uh, we've got that, we've got some ideas from some different articles. So I guess now we'll have to come up with some different articles. Well, and and that's a question for you folks who, who watch and listen to the show is if you have enjoyed the programming that we've done, whether it's this show or the other shows we've done or the articles on the website, um, what do you think, what do you want to see in a print edition? What, what, yeah. what kind of subject would you be interested? Do well, you I want, guess, do you want interviews? Do you that... want reviews? Do you want analysis? Do you want conversations yeah. like this in, in print form? The question before that would be, would you even buy it? Well, there's that too. <laughs> well, that's because we do a print run of five and we're just like, yay. yay. <laughs> uh, well, see, and I'm, and I'm thinking, because I look at all these Indiegogo books and Kickstarter books and all these different things, and they're all comic books and graphic novels. And it's a different, it's a different kind of animal than what sure. we do. Mm-hmm. And I have not seen anybody crack the magazine fanzine category really in 
in this mm-hmm. space. Right. So I'm thinking to myself, this is an opportunity. We could do a kind of a star log type of thing every quarter, or maybe every six months. It just depends because you know sure. you've got to you've got to print and do all that. We don't necessarily have to do anything in color except maybe the cover. So yeah, well, we'll have to we'll have to think on that. Maybe we put together a survey or something we send out to. to and if you're a fan who sits there and goes, "What what is this zine you speak of?" <laughs> uh, back in the day, little 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 take your gun, take your gun, the mind back to the past. Back in the day, before the internet was a thing, fans communicated by, uh, well, fan clubs mm-hmm. would put together their own magazines and share fan fiction and articles and interviews and things like that. And it's really the thing that built. The platform for magazines like Starlog, although there have been yeah. magazines around for a long time, you go, you can go back to the 1920s to get science fiction magazines, but and yeah, 1920s, and but the the growth of things like uh, Cinefastique or um, Starlog or Toy Fair or Wizard, Wizard, all that stuff, all that stuff grew out of the fancy. Yeah. Because the fan, there was there was a recognition that fans wanted information about the stuff that they cared about, and if if they were going to produce it themselves, well, then maybe somebody would actually buy it. The conventions came out of that too, right? Because it was you know there was a lot of back and forth and mail and and notes and oh hey well why don't we get together here and we do this and we get together here and then that. That and they became the convention. The interest stuff. in such things clearly hasn't died down. The magazine format has gone away in large part because the collapse of the print. Mm-hmm. The internet did not do yeah. the print magazine industry. You can obviously yeah. you can still find magazines. But if you look but, at the the success of the indie comics on both Kickstarter and, and Indiegogo, I mean you're looking at twenty two million on Kickstarter, you're looking at almost six million on, on Indiegogo just in this past year, there's clearly a market for printed material. Oh, sure. And, and so. you know, Fangoria came, Fangoria came back for a reason. It wasn't just because they wanted to make more print versions of Fangoria. And we're hearing this year might, well, given, given the circumstances that have happened this past year, it might, there might be a little bit of a delay. But the new owners have expressed an interest in expanding the portfolio as mm-hmm. it were because when you bought when you buy Fangoria ownership of Fangoria is part and parcel of a number of different titles right. that were owned by the Starlog group that was the official umbrella mm-hmm. And the Starlog group published Fangoria. Now, Fangoria is the easiest one to bring back, but we're hearing hints and and teases that two more titles out of that group. And I was it. It wasn't was it Film Facts or Cinefestique? I want to say Cinefestique, but I could be wrong. Okay, so one of those Don't quote me on that. and Starlog, at the very least, are going to be coming back in a digital form, in an online form, hopefully maybe as a precursor to coming back in print. Mm-hmm. And I'm, you so, know, having, having this stuff come out quarterly or, or six times a year quarterly, even two, two times a year, mm-hmm. 
uh, if you if you the quality of the work, and that's one of the things that Starlock and, and Fangoria were the are in many ways the gold standard for uh, criticism analysis, is because they would you'd sit there and back in the day you would get like a six page article. Yeah, this was not a you know a two pager or or a three paragraph thing. It was you know a deep dive and 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 it drove people to content they did not know was out there because the way that advertising worked in those days was not the way it's not the constant barrage of you can find you'll find a trailer for everything you know whether you'll find tra you find trailers for novels well and if anybody wants to advertise on our channel oh sure <laughs> since, since that comes up uh well and that's something that i talked about with dave mcdonald who was the managing editor of Starlog for a long time. We have a number of interviews with people who worked at Starlog uh, that's on our on our .com. And one of the things that he was surprised about was the fact that here you are, you have the internet. Mm -hmm. You have no limitation on the paper you're printing on. You have unlimited scroll on mm -hmm. these things. And yet, your articles are five paragraphs. He said it is such a waste. And he doesn't understand. Here's your opportunity with the internet to do all of those long, deep dive articles that they didn't even have a chance to do in Starlog. Right, because they had a page count limit. And nobody's doing them. Right. So, I don't know. There's, there's some opportunities there. And I think with, uh, with a print run, with a print magazine... Uh, something that, and, and this is another thing that we have wanted to do for a long time, is publish original fiction. Yeah. And I have been in contact with the science fiction and fantasy writers of America. And the going, you know, I've gotten the going rate of mm -hmm. how much you pay per word and, and all of these things. And uh, I also have information for how we would become a qualifying publisher. Mm-hmm. Because in order to get membership into CIFWA, you have to be published in certain publications oh, sure, right. at certain rates and all these things. So we're looking into that as well. And I think there's going to be an opportunity there to do some stuff. But I want to be able to publish original fiction. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that has limited us is the fact that we couldn't pay anybody to do right. it. I don't yeah. want to just sit there and say, hey, let us have your brand new story that nobody's ever seen before. And we'll give you exposure to our 15 people that... Look at our site. Yeah, and you know, as people who have been coming back to the film thing, how many times have you said, you know, if we make money on this film, yeah, we'll pay you. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah. No. I never uh, been paid for one of those. Yeah, I, I, I'm still <laughs> waiting for a couple of them. Um, but anyway, so that's that's some of the stuff, and you know, we will continue for as long as we have people who keep coming back and watching what we do. We'll continue with the shows that we've got. We do have some ideas for some new ones that we want to recycle out and bring back. Uh, we've got some ideas for some brand new shows. Um, so we'll see how it goes. But one of the things that, if you want to get into New Year's resolutions, uh, one of the things that we continue to resolve every year, uh, it's, a, it's a promise that we make to our audience, is that we're not going to gatekeep we're not going to have any litmus tests or any, you know, criteria or qualifications to, to let you into the club. I mean, everybody is welcome here, whether whether you're 
whatever, whatever group or not group or whatever. So uh, we appreciate everybody that's that's here, everybody that comes back. Um, we appreciate all of those that have shared links and told other people about us. Uh, it would be nice if we could get to 2021 subscribers by 2021, but that's only a few weeks away. So that would be quite a trick to get, I don't know, be nice though. 500 subscribers in the next three weeks. Good to have goals. In, yeah, we, yeah, yeah, we have, have goals. goals. We have goals. I resolve, I resolve to write more again. One of the things that I, I, I got away from for, I, my job changed several years ago and I was driving for a living and, and it made it really, I was tired all mm. the time. And it made it really, really hard to actually sit down and write. And then I'd been writing regularly for the site for quite some time at that point. Yep. And it really, really derailed it derailed a lot of things um and while i have a lot more free time now because of the job i've had with everything that's been going on in 2020 it hasn't gone the way i wanted to uh but i mean the, the fact that i'm able the fact that i'm able to do these shows with this show and and foreign bodies and and zompocalypse now and the other stuff that i do live or mm -hmm. or for podcasts has been really, really great in keeping me in, engaged and involved, but I, I miss the writing. Yeah, um, I and, do <laughs> and uh, I have a, I have a, an article that started off as a, a, a couple, what, three or four paragraphs on Facebook, just a noodling and uh -huh. some concept, and I, I'm, I'm going to expand on that and, and build up, and um, hopefully, uh, I was wondering. Hmm. Well, Can I turn this into actually into a series. Yeah, and to look at some of these characters, these older characters. That sure, why not? Well, and the other thing too is we're going to try to get more reviews on the site. Um, uh, Mindy's been going through books. I've got a few that I've got to go through and and write. I just we like I said, I posted the review of Max Cloud over the weekend. We have a lot of books to catch up on okay. on our pile so we'll be we'll be trying that and i guess it's now time that we start recruiting new contributors because we're we're down to what six mm. or six if you're now? if you if you enjoy what we do and you're interested in being a part of it by all means let us know we yeah. all of us got our start doing this without um a lot of experience in it I mean, we whether, yeah. we, whether we come from uh, a writing background for film or, or journalism or no background in writing at all. I think um, out of everybody, I mean, I've been doing it since, since I was 18. I've been in media for 32 years now. And I think out of everybody, I think I might be the only one that's got formal training. Yeah. Gabe is studying... Um, the writing side of things, mm -hmm. uh, but he's not in. He's not in the media pub, uh, media production part. It's just right. just from the written standpoint. Everybody else has just come into this at their own different levels of experience and, and knowledge and whatnot. Oh yeah, so, I didn't start. I didn't start writing on a regular basis. I started writing scripts. Yep. Um, although I, I have an unfinished novel. <laughs> no one's ever going to see it. We all have one of those. Um, because I've got a few. The concept is still good. Mm. The execution, I found it. I found it when I was moving. <laughs> the concept is still good. The execution. You can was always not. rewrite it and and serialize it and publish it. Publish it in pieces. It. Uh, I. Uh, I don't. Submit I'm, it to Asimov's. 
submit it to us. We don't pay yet. <laughs> yeah, what? I know. I mean, right? I've been doing this I've all this time you, for well, I give you I give you coffee. Well, that's true. I give so you coffee. I've been I've been paid in caffeine. Yes. All right. So the caffeine is going to be wearing off here soon. <laughs> so we're going to go ahead and wrap up. So so be looking for uh, more reviews, more articles, uh, maybe more shows, a print edition at some point we're going to possibly put together uh, through Indiegogo, and we'll put more more information out on that a little bit later, um, more staff, and hopefully, if 2021 cooperates, more events, and we'll go out to the events. Uh, we have... We've- we have a long history of doing yes. great events at and on the local level, and we'd like, of course, to take that broader. But we yeah. have to get back in, into the into the events happening stage of things, and hopefully, we'll start to see that. Hopefully, probably late twenty twenty one. I uh, probably toward the end, yeah, the, the back half of the year. We're already seeing because Mindy keeps keeps monitoring this. We're already seeing. Cancellations and and right. dates moving. Well, because unfortunately, unfortunately, into, once you start or, once you yeah. start moving stuff into the next year, it yeah. becomes a wave where if if this thing moved to mm. October of twenty twenty one, that means there's no room for the thing that might have been yeah. in October twenty one. So it gets well, that's how and, it works. And Robert, welcome. You're late. Yes, uh, but that's okay. Uh, by events, not our own. Uh, mm-hmm. We're not going to put together events. <laughs> we, we hope to actually. <laughs> We actually talked about that at one point. <coughs> we did. We talked about that, and we talked about putting together our own award. We did. And that was right before the the Dragon hit, because mm-hmm. Dragon Con did the Dragon Award. Because coming out of all of the Hugo stuff, we're like, well, why don't we just make one of our own? And then Dragon Con did it. It was like, okay, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> Touched a bullet. Because, oh, yeah. The I logistics mean, of that just f- would have been nightmarish. For, for every con that you've ever been to, that has been amazing. And every con you've ever been to that hasn't. Mm. Recognize that with super, super rare exceptions, the cons that didn't work well were still run by people trying very, very yeah. hard to make them run well. It is tough yeah. to run a convention. Kava says, looks forward to going to events. He has so much new stuff to use. And and Thomas, that reminds me, I have a question for you. I will be sending you an email. Um so yeah, so there's there are some of the different things that we've got plans and schemes for 2021. We definitely want to get out to new events uh, and and stream from the events, like we did at C2E2, like we did at Star Wars Celebration. Um, we're not going to have another celebration until 2022, so hopefully by then we'll have everything lined up and we'll be able to go in and and do this from various different events. But in the meantime, uh, we are going to take a little bit of a holiday break. And we will be back in January. Uh, With all new episodes of this show. Uh, Yes, we'll have new episodes of this show starting... uh, Are we back the 4th? I think so. Okay, so, yes, the 4th on this show. And... Uh, we will be back on the 9th for Good Morning Multiverse. We're going to go ahead and take that. And in that first week, we will also have a new Tardis sauce because we, oh, will, we, will, okay. we will be fresh off the New Year's special. Yep. Which we will, well, the folks over who join me over on Tardis sauce will be wanting to talk about that. Um, and then is it that week or the following week that the next episode of Foreign Bodies comes out? 
Uh, I would have to look. We've got one. We don't want to dump everything all in the same week and then not yeah, have any. No, we have one. We've got one that I still have to edit for this coming Saturday. Mm. And I think that's the last one we've got recorded. Right. So we've we got to record some. Yeah, things. we've got new stuff coming out. Um, we are moving into the wonderful world of uh, Korean horror, mm. yep. South, Korea, South Korea, and uh, which has like several other of uh, the international horror film scene a relatively recent all things considered uh, uh move into the horror world because of their own yeah. cultural and political situations um but we've got some really kind of full, really cool interesting films to talk about there we have come a long way in eight years of doing video and yeah. you know the 12 years that we've been doing the article articles and stuff and we're really looking forward to doing more. Mm -hmm. Hopefully it's stuff that you like. And, you know, it's, we're not your typical YouTube channel. Um, in the sense that it's not always the same kind of shows, the same kind of uh, uh, yammering and expletive-laced rants and, and that we kind of very thing. very rarely become outrage. We're, we Corn. try to be a little bit more more grown up about things, and maybe YouTube is not the place for that, but it's what we've got right now. So we'll works. stick around. It works for us. You stick around. Tell your friends. <laughs> we'll get better at this at some point, maybe in the future, and we'll see what happens. All right, that's going to do it for us tonight. Thanks very much for watching. Remember, <laughs> Santa is a time lord. Wash your hands. Have a Merry Christmas and a Happy Hanukkah happy holidays, and Happy Holidays. Folks. And we will be back in January with more on the H2O podcast. Good night. Good night. Copyright 2020 by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media.